Welcome to another special edition of the ACG Analytics Podcast. This is David Metzner, Managing Partner of ACG Analytics. The following podcast is a lightly edited version of the policy call we held. We will now proceed with the call. Welcome to today's macro call. In January, uh, ACG Analytics was telling clients this was going to be a macro year. Little did we know uh, how much of a macro year it is. This call here is perfectly timed. We have new unemployment numbers. We have statements yesterday's Jay Powell interview. We have Christine Lagarde today. We have a court case in the Constitutional Court of Germany next week. So lots of moving parts in the developed world, highly impactful on the emerging market world. And to help crystallize this and dissect it for our clients on the phone, we have an amazing group of talented people here. Chris Zerwinski, ACG Analytics lead analyst on macro, along with our special advisor, Bart Oostervelt. Bart came to ACG Analytics from Atlantic Council and for that with Moody's uh, Sovereign Risk in London. Also on the phone is our frequent collaborator, Larry McDonald of the Bear Traps Report, best-selling author, as well as John East, our head of research. With that, Chris, I'm going to turn the comms line back over to you to begin today's analysis. Thank you. Thanks, David. And thanks, everybody, for joining us. I feel now, with the timing of this Thursday call, I've got an obligatory opening on a pessimistic note every week saying that there's another 3.8 million added in jobless claims. Obviously, the numbers just keep coming, but I think that we should start close to home as always and discuss the fact that Congress has extended their delayed return to Washington, D.C., and what does this mean for further relief packages out of Congress? I want to turn to John East, our director of research, who is covering this topic very closely. And John, maybe give us a little bit of a roadmap now for when we could see additional legislation out of Washington, D.C. Well, we had expected legislation maybe the first week in May. The House has changed its schedule. On, on Monday, it announced that it would not reconvene until a package is ready for members to sign, and in probably no case before the end of May. That makes it much harder to negotiate when a lot of members are there and everyone is negotiating you know, through phone, email, all those various mechanisms, as opposed to having conference meetings and other things which bring members together. It's also a problem for communicating with staff. So this looks like it's going to delay a bill. An other factor delaying a bill is that Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell wants to wait and see how the current funds are dispersed, so do most other Senate Republicans, so that he can take stock and Congress can take stock of where the needs really lay. And there are two other factors delaying a bill. As states reopen, there's maybe less political will to pass major pieces of legislation if the economy begins to pick back up. There's no assurance that it will, in which case we might have some massive infrastructure bill as a type of stimulus measure, in addition to any CARES Act bill. Right now, there's a dispute in the White House and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and some other House Democrats, and actually my former boss, Senator Shelby of Alabama, who's Senate Appropriations Committee chair, are happy to put infrastructure in a new CARES Act bill. But Mitch McConnell does not prefer that route. And so, and there's division in, within the Senate Republican caucus, especially. And lastly, we are farther away today on a bill than we were last week. And that is because there are so many disparate interests coming out of the woodwork, and it, it makes it the negotiations more and more complicated. And when you try to do something for one sector, then another sector wants something. So for instance, the coal industry is looking for relief, but if you put coal industry relief 
or oil and gas industry relief into this bill. Democrats are going to demand, if you can even reach a deal, that they have green energy industry, not necessarily even relief, but maybe tax credits or some other provisions to promote the environment. So there are so many interests now that have to be weighed that this is not going to be as simple as taking the bones of the previous bill and just adding more money to that basic outline that this is turning into a morass because most people think it may be the last major bill if we can't get an agreement later on infrastructure. I want to touch on one of them and get your view on it because you said that you're alluding to the fact that if we do have another bill that, for example, there need to be trade-offs on oil and gas if they were to try to push for industry-specific relief. We saw some comments over the last two days from President Trump's cabinet talking about how the administration is looking to support that industry in in particular, and the president himself said that he's going to come up with a specific plan for the industry in the next couple days. Mnuchin said, first of all, the the SPR, the Petroleum Reserve, could potentially hold hundreds of millions more barrels. And Mnuchin also called protecting that industry in the U.S. national interest. So it seems to me like there are two avenues then for the administration to target them with relief, right? They could try to throw something into the next bill. At that point, perhaps it's too little too late. And it also comes with difficult trade-offs. But they could also try to expand Fed programs to include oil and gas or they could target them with emergency loans. Do you see either of those as the more likely scenario at this point? And maybe, Larry, you want to chime in, too. I don't know that the administration has made up its mind, but anything they can do without having to go to Congress makes the the rest of the bill easier to negotiate in Congress. I mean, this is absolutely fascinating, because three, four weeks ago, I think three weeks ago, the Saudis were buying Royal Dutch Shell equity. So net-net, Trump forced everybody to the table. They did a deal in terms of Saudi and Russia output. That was the first catalyst. Then last week, we had a bear raid on the front end of the oil curve in the futures market. And now that crisis induced a policy response from Treasury and the White House. Trump's multiple tweet, Mnuchin last night with the SBR threat to expand it. Now you're seeing a colossal short covering rally on the front end of the oil curve, 30, 40, 50% the last two days in the front end of the curve. Last week, we were bullish on the oil names. We've done 14 trade alerts in the energy space over the last month. And right now, the energy equities up from the lows. The major energy ETF is up 70% the last three, four weeks. So once again, stress in the market forces the policy response. And that's really a short story on energy. Actually, and that feeds into the final point I wanted to make domestically, which is that that amount of public pressure, right, does induce a policy response. And so, John, I guess my question to you is, you know, and it sounded relatively pessimistic there, considering McConnell's approach so far on infrastructure. Do you think that considering the staggered nature and the bifurcated opening that we're going to see in the United States, not to mention globally, do you think that at a certain point, continuing the economic numbers that continue to deteriorate are going to make Congress move on something like infrastructure? Because I, I suppose, you know, Ideologically, the idea of infrastructure is not necessarily that polarizing, but obviously the problems that exist are how to fund it, right? Yes, this is really a fiscal hawk issue during these times. Now, in previous times, you know, there's also been a lot of support in the transportation and highway community for there to be a dedicated source of revenue that Congress can't raise because then they feel like they can plan better in the future as to what cost of money is there. But I think at this point, that concern takes a backseat to getting people employed, and there may 
come a point where McConnell has to relent, especially with the White House, some other powerful Senate Republicans and very powerful Democrats opposed. And there's also a Senate shell bill. So that could move separately already. So but we don't have our real unemployment figures yet because we've had so many state unemployment claims unable to be processed. And we have people who haven't even filed into the system, let alone had their applications processed. So today, some new figures came out from a think tank, which suggests that there are another six and some odd million people. But that brings our total now closer to 30 million unemployed people. That, that cannot persist for long without a response from Congress. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. I just say quickly to that, Chris, just real quick, just I would say if you're long energy here, based on what you guys are saying, right, I'm learning from you, the fact that so much goodwill has been priced into energy stocks the last two, three weeks, and the fact that energy could potentially, and other energy, whether it be coal or oil, could potentially screw up your infrastructure deal. So bottom, bottom line is I think a lot of the trade's been priced in in terms of the market expecting something, some legislation in terms of protecting that that sector. So the trade's, I would say, 80% over for now. No, thank, thank you for that. I would like to thank everyone for joining us today. I'd also like to thank our team of analysts for offering their unique insights. You can also follow us on Twitter for further insight into capital markets and the political economy. If you wish to reach out for more information, please email us at research at acg-analytics.com. Everyone have a good day. Thank you very much.